done one of these in a while and uh, here we are going to be a little different tonight I guess in the past we've had a bunch of people um, well, a bunch of people relatively speaking joining us um, but this evening is just going to be Angie and myself and um, this is probably not going to be a very accurate description of things when it's just her and I since I may do more talking um, than she does which I'm sure she would love for me to do more talking. So anyway, we are uh, gonna talk about seasons this evening, not um, Christmas per se, or um, Easter, or, but uh, seasons in a, in a broad sense. And uh, we're, we're gonna, we'll share some, some specific examples or get into some specifics, but in a lot of ways, I, I want to keep it um, somewhat general so that the application is, is not limited to any particular area or group because I think the, the concept of seasons is um, very applicable in so many areas um, of our lives, naturally and spiritually. So I, I want to lay a little bit of... Um, groundwork here, a little bit of a foundation for the, this topic because this is more than just, um, you know, a, a, a catchy term to talk about. I believe there really is a very important biblical basis uh, for the idea of seasons. And we find the very first reference to seasons in Genesis chapter 1, in verse number 14, in, in the account of creation. And and I think it's important to note that uh, I, be, I believe everything in the account of creation is uh, done specifically to demonstrate spiritual principles. And so this is, this is one of those things. So Genesis 1.14 says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from night, and let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and years. And I realize uh, in a very practical sense, uh, what's being talked about here is the actual physical seasons. But again, I believe this was, it was established, the, the natural seasons, uh, winter, spring, summer, fall, were established um, really for the bigger principle of, of spiritual applications. Um, and then the other, I think, most notable passage when it comes to seasons is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I'm just going to read a, a couple of portions of the first several verses um, of, this, of this chapter. Verse number 1, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, time to, time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to keep silence, a time to speak. And then jumping down to verse 11, it says, He hath made everything beautiful 
in his time. Also, he had set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. The today's English version says the first part of that verse this way, he has set the right time for everything. The God's Word translation says, it is beautiful how God has done everything at the right time. And then lastly, the Living Bible says everything is appropriate in its own time. And back to the King James, I think it's, I think it's worth noting that it says, He hath made everything beautiful, not in its time, but it says He hath made everything beautiful in His time. And so the seasons that God orchestrates or that God ordains in our lives, when he decides those seasons and the timing of those seasons, they are beautiful in his time. In the verses uh, 2 through 7, it's more than that, but I, I didn't read all of it. We, we notice there's a balance there. There's, there's what we would, in essence, refer to as positives and negatives, time to weep time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Um, and, and, and these are the seasons that are determined, that are designated by God. I think one of the challenges that we have is, is being content in the seasons that we are in. Um, it's not too hard to be content in a season when it's a season we like, when it's a season we enjoy. But it's a bit of a challenge to be content in the seasons that may not be our favorite season, may be a challenging season, but to trust God's timing uh, of the season and, and to be content in, in the purpose of that season. There, there is uh, application to this, and again, I think in daily practical lives and in, in our families, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into that area definitely a little bit of the seasons of of, of family life, um, but in ministry um, there there are seasons. I think as a church we have seasons. We go through seasons. I, I know I would love for us to be in this awesome blowing and going season twelve months out of the year, but it usually doesn't work that way. And, and, and so in ministry, also in our personal walk with God, we go through seasons. We go through times of, of seasons of prayer where prayer seems to come very easy. It's, it just, we find ourselves in a place of prayer or, or, or even throughout our day praying. And then we find ourselves in these seasons where it's like it doesn't matter how hard we try that we, we struggle to... Um, find prayer, even if it's prayer on the go. And, and so learning to sort of uh, flow with the seasons is, is one of the challenges that I think we face in all of these areas. Um, so I think in order to try to make this a conversation rather than a dialogue, um, I, I wanna kind of launch into an area that I think is, is applicable um, there, there's a number of families that apparently have chosen to follow in our footsteps and uh, have four or more kids. And uh, I, I think there's some, there's some uh, times throughout those seasons 
uh, that, that can be challenging. Um, and so I, I want us to kind of talk a little bit about uh, navigating those seasons. I, let me just kind of as a disclaimer, uh, we, we, we are not here tonight because we are the expert on all seasons. Again, we're talking a lot in principle here this evening in hopes that you can take the principle and apply it in the various circumstances and, and situations that you're in. Obviously, we're kind of in a transitioning season again um, with, with family stuff, with now having married children. Uh, but I, I, I want to start off, I guess, and, and have um, my wife speak to especially that season of multiple small children um, in, in a variety of ways. And one of those areas um, I'll throw out there to touch on some is the balancing or the challenge of sort of the balancing of uh, care for the home, the children, and also a desire not just a responsibility, but a desire to be a part of ministry, involved in the kingdom, and and some of the uh, challenges and maybe some suggestions of ways in which to kind of navigate some of that season. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think, uh, well, first of all, also before like, everybody doesn't have small children tunes us out we're going to get to other areas so but for all of you who do have small children you can you know be excited right about now so um there's actually i'm sitting here right now looking straight ahead at a phrase on our wall um that i saw a few years ago and my kids got it for me for christmas and it just says be present and um it's something that I wish I had actually put on the wall a long time ago. Um, I think it's hard sometimes uh, to be fully present, especially if you've got multiple small children pulling at you, nagging at you. Um, and I, what I mean by that is uh, sometimes you just tend to check out. Um, I've noticed I have no idea what it's like to have a phone with small children. But I've noticed that's something that a lot of moms resort to um, is just sort of checking out or just sort of <clears throat> um, I, I, getting through this time sort of as a survival. Um, and while I'm not going to lie, a lot of days are spent in survival. Um, I uh, think that we did a few things very intentionally. Um, that we uh, are seeing the fruit of now um, with our adult children. And uh, I think that that's, that's something that you need to um, attempt to do is to be intentional uh, with your children and intentionally look at them. I know that sounds crazy. And even if you're a homeschool family, I'm gonna challenge you, look at your children it's very easy. I mean, I don't even know last year during quarantine for a whole month, six of us in this little house, we probably went days without looking at each other. And I know that that probably sounds crazy, but it is possible to go for days without truly looking at the people in your home. Um, 
And so I think that during this particular season, it's important to be intentional, to look at your kids, uh, to look at your spouse, <laughs> and to really um, engage with one another. I was trying to think, there was something we were talking about earlier, now I just forgot it um, about this time. So I, I think one thing though, while I'm saying to be present, don't forget what's coming. And I think I know what it was, was this season that you're in is actually preparing you for the next one. Um, and how you handle it is really a huge deal. Um, so a lot of you young moms see me now, um, you know, and really in the last 10 years, even Nathaniel, you're 18. Yeah. Probably the last seven to 10 years, maybe seven years. And I'm doing stuff and I'm always going and going and doing, and you probably see me at church and, you know, and now worship leader and I'm on the platform and I'm doing, and I'm doing it. And in a lot of ways, and, and you know, just this past week at Paz, one of the missionaries' wives with two small children, you know, was just expressing to me in the staff kitchen, you know, how frustrating it is, and I don't even know why I come to these things, and and I and I remember those days. I remember back when it was our days, manifest and meet and all this, and the hours and hours, and they'd be preaching, and I'd be in the back room with the kids and whatever, and so. All that to say, and I didn't have a live stream, I didn't have none of that, okay? I know, I'm probably gonna keep saying those bitter things. Um, when you missed out, you just plain missed out. That's all there was to it. So all that to say, um, when Nathaniel was born, you can imagine four children, six years and under, um, I pretty much, I can remember actually having to tell some people that I was working with in ministry, I am sorry, but I have to pull out of everything. And I, there was a good couple of years that I literally, I mean, he was the co-pastor at that point, senior pastor, maybe, maybe about to be senior pastor at that point. I pulled out of everything, people, like... I literally didn't do anything in ministry during that time. I had to prioritize the most important people in my life. Um, and it was a decision we made together. It wasn't something, you know, we talked about it. We prayed about it. Um, and I know some of you might be like, well, I don't have that luxury. I'm not sure about that. Come talk to us because we understand. But all that to say, we um, prioritized the children in a way in their younger years in particular um, I think if I could say back to the younger me and the with the younger children it would be to not be so stressed out um, to just roll with things because um, life is kind of crazy and you're just in that time period where things are kind of crazy and but there is a whole lot of light at the end of that tunnel and honestly if you blink well, they're getting married, so. <laughs> um, so I don't know if there was anything else you want to address with that particular thing or what we had talked about earlier. Um, but just spending that time intentionally, even if it's just one thing every day that you intentionally try to do with your children or every few days, I realize I might be saying a lot. I, I know, I can hear some of you moms in particular arguing with me like that's a lot you know I've got a lot of kids 
um, but try to find something small. But you will not regret it. Um, a lot of parents report to us, we're just tired. We're just so exhausted. We're just so tired. Well, I hate to break it to you, but in this season, you're just going to be tired. Um, it's just, it's difficult. And um, I just used to always say, I guess I get to sleep when we go to heaven. Like, I don't know. Um, you know, you get some breaks here and there and you enjoy them. And I urge you to take those breaks when you can. But this season is not for nothing. Like, this is not just... You know, I don't know how you look at children, but I mean, these are little adults. <laughs> these are just miniature adults in your house. Like you have a huge opportunity to um, shape your future with them, their future, etc. Your relationship as when they become adults, it's a huge deal. And the closer you are to them now, and the more you've paid attention to them now, Trust me, when they hit 13 and 16 and 20, you're gonna wish that you had developed a close relationship with them at those stages. So, um, I just, looking at your kids and talking to your kids, playing with your kids, like, I really can't say enough about it, so. I think there's a, another point, principle, that we kind of use this as a launching point for um, but it's beyond just families and that is in each season there are things that actually in that season are preparation for the next season so as I think I'm fairly well known for using my yard as a object lesson uh, really the the reseeding that I did a couple of weeks ago is preparation for a future season. I mean, we're about to go through winter, but there's work being done at the end of the fall, early winter, I guess, that is that is actually preparation for springtime. And, and if we're not careful, we can miss in a given season some things that God is doing or things that are our responsibility to do to be preparing for the next season. And so... I think this is a principle, again, that, that is a broad principle in a variety of applications. But at least for another moment before we maybe get away from it for the most part, um, kind of back to that, and, and you sort of touched on it a little bit, but just kind of some of the things that even now that I feel like we are beginning to experience in the season we're in with young adult children there were there was some groundwork that was laid for that um, to to build some of those relationships and I don't know maybe you did I don't know that in the moment five ten years ago we were necessarily thinking that we are <laughs> laying the groundwork for the next season but that's uh, as as things are beginning to unfold in this newer season that we are in that seems to be the case. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially in the teenage years, um, for some reason, teenagers, like if your teenager hasn't hit this stage yet, but like they wake up at 11 p.m. Okay, yeah, you heard me correctly. For some reason, they just, and I, you know, I've read books about it, whatever, like it's just this, 
thing. They'll be slugs all day long and all of a sudden they're wide awake at 11 p.m. and you know, whatever. And so, of course, you know, I'm always like, I don't understand what the, it doesn't always happen this way with everybody, but it inevitably most families, when your kids are teenagers, the parents are like in their forties. And so it's like that kind of hits and <clears throat> anybody's in your forties kind of knows like that's the wake up call in life. Like I'm definitely no longer in my twenties. Um, when you feel worse, when you wake up than you did when you went to bed. Um, so all those crazy things, but you know, I, a number of times, you know, I just went in thinking, good night, you know, just saying good night to you, just walk in, walk out and okay, mom, you know, and yeah, you know, and two hours later, you know, we're still talking. And the thing is, and I understand, I, I, you know, I can hear some people arguing with me, you know, well, you don't have to get up at 6 a.m. or go to work, or you don't have to whatever. And, and I understand a lot of times I didn't, you know, I had luxury of being able to sleep the next morning if I had to, but not all the time. Um, but all that to say, I would not trade that for anything in this whole entire world. So if you're past that stage and you've moved on, it's okay, whatever. But if you're hitting that stage, I urge you to take a pause. And for some reason, that's when they start talking. And if you're distracted and on your phone, I'm just telling you right now, you're gonna shut down your teenager in five seconds. Now, mind you, it's the pot calling the kettle black because they're probably distracted and on their phones, but we're not gonna talk about that. But mom and dad, you don't get to be on your phone. And those are the times that honestly have laid the foundation for adult children who um, uh, communicate with us and who now ask for our opinion and our advice and our counsel and our wisdom. And um, it wasn't just those single things, but it's just one of those areas that excruciatingly hard, sure, um, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in this world um, for the late night talks. Honestly, sometimes till 2 a.m. Um, and it's just when they started talking. And so, um, you know, that's just one, of, it's just a little thing, but, well, it's a big little thing. Um, it's just there again, kind of meeting your kids at where they're at and recognizing those little moments that it's very important to be present. Um, it's very important to be listening. Um, so we haven't done it 100% amazingly all the time, but um, the other thing too, I wanted to encourage moms and dads, you know, if you're feeling like, you know, you just can't get anything out of church or why, why bother going and all that, let, let me just tell you, there is so much benefit. I really cannot tell you the number of people, moms in particular, that will ask me like, how do I get kids like you have? Like it, to me, it's a crazy question, but, but I understand it. In a lot of ways, it's a compliment to us and we appreciate it. But I'll be honest with you, is we sat with our kids in church. I sat with our kids in church. Um, we sat up close, we paid attention, um, you know, when Timothy and Nathaniel were 
coming along there and they're, um, you know, getting five, seven years old, whatever, and phones were becoming such a thing. You know, I looked over one time, they're sitting with some other people and they're on their person's phone playing games. And I said to him, honestly, it was another point in our lives. I said to him, I was up on the platform and I was sitting up there and I was singing Brother Hamby and all that stuff. It was like at Annapolis High and I said, it's not sitting right with me. It's just not. And I said, I feel like I'm supposed to sit with these kids and I'm supposed to figure out how to do this. And so there I sat, service after service, two on each side, usually making sure Timothy was right there next to me. <laughs> and um, all I'm saying is, and they had to pay attention and they weren't allowed to be on a phone and they weren't allowed to. All I can tell you now is that they're worshipers and they give themselves to God and they, they give themselves in a church service and they do all the things. You see my, our kids, I don't say my, it was a joint effort here, but all I'm saying is those little things during this season are huge. And I'm really not sure that anybody said this to us when we were in that season. So hopefully we're encouraging you. Hopefully when you see our kids and you think, oh, I wanna try, you know, that's how we did it. I mean, it was hard. And a lot of times, mind you, he'd be praying for people and I would literally pack up the kids and we'd go sit in the car. I can remember sobbing in the parking lot at Annapolis High School, many a service, just sobbing like, I don't know what I'm doing and this is nuts and these kids are driving me crazy or whatever. And honestly, now I just like, there again, such hard work, but I feel like I wouldn't trade it for anything. So, anyway. I think there's kind of another, I'm sure we can break it down even more, but to me, the next kind of, in the context of where we are, the next big phase or season, I think that lies ahead is that of the empty nesters. And so, obviously we have no um, experience with that and uh, not in a hurry to, have full experience with that but I, I bring that up just to say and this and I think this applies beyond families but I, I want to broaden this for a moment here again maybe we'll transition away from family being the primary focus but I, I think the challenge is and again wrapping up with the context of seasons and families we have a tendency to never be content with the season we're in. We never enjoy the season we're in. So for example, young married couples are looking forward to having children. And then you start having children and you're looking forward to another phase. And then your kids are growing up and now you start looking forward to having married kids. And then you start looking forward to having grandkids. And if, if, it's not, if we're not careful, we, we have a tendency to spend our time looking in the seasons we're not in because then at some point, we start wanting to go back to the seasons that we've had. Um, we, we have said, I don't know which one of us and others probably have said the same thing. I'm not saying we came up with this, but in, in the early years of young kids, it's physically demanding in the, in the uh, teen years and on, it becomes more mentally demanding. And I can remember thinking, you know, back in the days of little kids, boy, I can't wait till, 
especially bedtime. Can't wait till we have teenagers. Bedtime will be so easy. I had no idea how easy bedtime was with little ones because at least you had the authority to put them to bed and give them a few minutes or some of the tricks we learned, especially with Timothy and Nathaniel, getting them to sleep um, and, and couldn't wait. And now, as you said, um, all hours of the night and we hear noises and footsteps and, and whatever. And so, that, but I, I think it's a, I think part of it's a trick of the enemy. And again, I'm saying it's in the context of, of families and the seasons we go through in families, but it, it really applies in, in all other seasons as well. But that is the, the, the need to be content. I mean, it, going back to, it's like, so when you finally have a baby, now it's can't wait till they crawl, hurry up and crawl. And then I oh, can't wait till they walk. And then they start walking. And then next thing you know, they're walking down the aisle and telling you goodbye. It, it, it's, um, I'm a little that. bit bitter about that still. <laughs> Sorry, so I'm, I'm working on it. Um, no, but you no, know, it's I'm, funny. I almost feel like we're all conditioned too. If you think about it as parents, we also encourage our kids like, you know, hey, you're almost double digits. And then, hey, you're about to be 13. And then you want to be 16. And then you want to be 18. So, I mean, it's almost like we're just conditioned this way to like always be thinking that, you know, the, the next phase is going to be so much better. And, you know, we're just enjoying the moment is, is a really big deal. So let me, I guess, in broadening this, read a couple of verses that I think tie into this context of learning, working to be content in whatever season it is that, that God has you in, family, ministry, relationship, etc. Philippians 4, verse 11 says, Paul says, not that I speak in respect of want, not that I'm asking for anything, basically, is what he says. But then he says this, I have learned. And I want you to, I'm going to read a couple more verses here, but I want you just to kind of make a mental note of the word learned. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I instruct, am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. And then the next verse, pretty, pretty famous verse that gets used oftentimes completely out of this context. But I want you to notice this next verse and what it follows. So again, it follows this learning how to be abased, how to abound, uh, how, how to be hungry, how to be full. It's in that context that Paul then says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Mm. And I think really verse 12 is, is in essence, it's seasons. <laughs> there's seasons of abounding. There's seasons of being abased. There's, there's seasons of being full and seasons of being hungry. And Paul says, I, I can be content. I have learned. Again, he says, I have learned. To learn something means you, it, you you gotta work at it. You gotta try. He did not say that that I that automatically in whatever state I am, I'm content. He said I've learned. It was a process. There was trial and error of learning how to be content. But he says, I can do this through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The Amplified Bible says verse eleven like this. 
Not that I'm implying that I was in personal want, for I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. The Living Bible says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. Going back to the Amplified, I've learned how to be content, to be satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. It's not hard to be content, again, in the seasons that we prefer. It's not hard to be content in the seasons that we enjoy. Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever season I am in. The interesting thing naturally speaking, is that each season, at least where we live, I think, each season, we're adding to the conversation here with the uh, dog of the house, if you can see him. Each, conver or each conversation, mm -hmm. each season is, uh, has, has sort of its unique appeal. In, in, in fact, the, the one season I was thinking of that, at least to me, there's not any necessarily unique beauty that stands out of that season is summer. And, and, and the thing that I think is, is unique about that is in a lot of ways summer seems to be symbolic of the most kind of enjoyable season. Especially from a, you know, a kids in school perspective, we can't wait till summer. And even you know, vacation is typically in summer. And so we look forward to summer. And so there, there's no sort of defining characteristic about the season of summer that is, that is a unique beauty to summer. But the other three seasons, there are things. There's, there's snow, which some of you don't think that's beautiful, but um, for others of us, snow is a very beautiful thing in winter. And then in spring, the, the beginning of the leaves and the, and the blossoms on the trees and, and the flowers budding is a beautiful thing. And then of course in fall, the changing of the leaves and the colors there, there are things in each season unique to that season that, that can give us beauty in the season. And if we go back to what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3, we go through these seasons where one season, it's very easy to find um, beauty in that season. But in the other season, it may be a little more challenging finding the beauty. However, in each season, he has made everything beautiful in his time. So, um, any comments, inserts, insertions? Okay. Then, then let's uh, um, let's I guess transition here a little bit to uh, to kind of I guess maybe ministry. We were talking about this earlier this afternoon, and and that's another area to me. That's another big area for many of us. We are in a unique. Uh, I, I'd say for several years now, we've been in a bit of a unique place in that um, for as long as I can remember, obviously I've been born and raised at Antioch, we have had elderly people, older people, a part of the congregation. But the unique thing now is we are, we are now a church that has uh, people that are older that were in the church in their younger years. 
So they didn't just get saved in their older years. Um, one example that comes to mind, uh, brother and sister Bishop, in, in the early 70s, uh, when they came to Antioch, or the First United Pentecostal Church of Annapolis, Maryland, Inc., as the bishop would always say, uh, their, their children were young, their, their, uh, their daughters are basically our age. Um, actually, I think you and the triplets are the same age. Um, Christy is a little older than me. Um, and so they, they've been through that whole phase of being um, family with small children and, and, and going through that whole entire uh, seasons of ministry in different ways. And, and I know that one of, those, one of those most challenging areas is that season for those that are older, especially that have had years and years of ministry involvement. And obviously we are not at a point to speak out of experience um, to, to, to that. I, I think that one of the things I want to say is in every season there is purpose. So whether you're in that season where you, can, you have the energy and the strength and, and the stamina to give and to do, or if you're moving into those later seasons of, of life, um, there's still a purpose and there's still beauty in that season. And I, I think one of the things in our conversation you touched on, and I'll try to um, hand the talking stick to you, um, is, is kind of some of the things that are so valuable from those older saints and and what it is they have to give. Yeah, I think um, I think too many times the devil really really speaks to the the older folks and says, you know, I'm I'm not needed anymore. There's not anything for me to do and and all that. And and to be honest with you, I feel like there's a lot of younger folks even considering us as younger and then on down who really feel completely um, opposite of that and feel like there's so much wisdom that we could glean from you um, and that we'd love for you to speak into our lives. We'd love for you to impart some of that wisdom and knowledge um, to us. We'd love for you to tell us you know, what you did or didn't do or things that worked or didn't work and things that just, just all those things. And, and so I, I guess I really was burdened um, in talking about seasons to just really encourage those of you in that season. Um, maybe your kids are grown and you're empty nesters and you don't feel like you're given to anybody on a regular basis or whatever. Don't assume that your kids don't need you anymore. Don't assume that um, that adults or young people in the church don't need you anymore. Um, I really, I really can't say that and stress that enough. Um, I think that it's an assumption that gets made, and then there's just this weird dynamic. Then that happens is, I think what you're going to learn is that the young people and and like our age like we don't necessarily reach out to the older people and say hey will you talk to me will you speak into my life what we really want is for the older folks to like reach out to us and because it might be hard to even understand but 
all of us, even at 50 years old, we're always looking up to somebody. And I feel like that's important. I feel like we should always be looking up to somebody. We should always have somebody, you know, above us, below us, alongside of us. So it's a principle, but we're always, but you kind of can't help it. Like we always, you know, we still like sometimes feel like kids with our parents just because even though we're like grown 50 year old man, you know, it's like, but he'll even, you know, he's even expressed and I've said it too. It's like, we still feel like kids sometimes with our parents. So it sounds so strange, but we actually all really want you in your season to reach out to us. And I know that seems crazy, but like, I want to just sort of emphasize that, like, don't assume that we don't want you speaking into our lives. Um, there's just so much that so many of you have learned um, that we would love to. I, I, and I believe it's the scripture, and maybe you wrote that down, the older women teaching the younger women. Like, I feel like it's a really important principle. Um, and I don't know. Were you going to read that? Sure. Sorry. Yeah, I'll read actually. So Titus 2, 1 through 5 is more than just the one verse. It says, Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. It says to the aged men, be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So, I realize it says primarily to the women to teach the younger, the aged women to teach the younger women, but I think the principle there is applicable to both genders. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I think, I think the thing I want to stress is that we all want you to reach out to us, and I know that sounds crazy, and it might feel like, well, I'm older, and I, I wish the young people would reach out to me. But you gotta think back to when you were the younger um, and you didn't always think like that, but um, you didn't always think like, you know, it's hard to explain what I'm saying, but we would love um, for you and your season to share your wealth of wisdom. And um, in whatever form or fashion, whatever that means, um, and to really just, I, I feel like too, you could have, such a ministry of encouragement and um, just cheering us all on because there's so many times that you just sort of feel like you just want somebody to kind of cheer you on you know and somebody who's kind of been there done that and got the t-shirt and like you feel like they're just you know in the stands um, cheering you on so um, anyway I don't know I guess that was just kind of something I felt like I wanted to share um, I don't know if I'm expressing it correctly, but um. I, I I was for some reason was thinking about this the other day, but I know what it was. Somebody was asking me during pause. Bishop was talking about my grandparents, his parents. If I knew how, if I knew my grandfather well or had much time with him, and so in the, I guess it was around the time we got married. Um, my my dad's parents were pastoring starting pastoring a church in Lanham and they actually lived in their motorhome in the back parking lot of the church for several years 
and I, I can remember back in those days in the gymatorium Sunday nights for pre-service prayer we'd kind of walk the chairs or people would sit and pray but I can remember a lot of times walking the chairs and at, not walking on the chairs walking around the chairs um, and my, my grandfather and I realize this is my grandfather but I, I want you to hear the principle of what I'm saying not the relational part of it per se but I can remember a number of times they would attend Antioch in the evenings and I'd, I'd go to pass by him and shake his hand, hug his neck, and he would just spend five minutes or so sharing some tidbit, wealth of spiritual knowledge that he had. And I can always remember, I can't tell you I remember everything he said, um, but one of the things I do remember was he would always apologize to me at the end of it, like, you know, I'm sorry for keeping you, sorry for holding you. And I'm standing there thinking, I, I stand here all day. I could listen all day. And, and I think that's the case for a lot of uh, younger people and even younger than us that uh, I've heard my own kids um, with, with some of the uh, established saints, some of the pillars of the assembly, as we may say, and, and their enjoyment of listening and, and gleaning. And uh, I, I, this, I, I wrote this in my notes this afternoon after we had talked about this point. I think part of what happens in this phases of ministry, in this progression of ministry, is I think you go from your younger years, ministry being about doing, to in your older years, ministry being about being. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we get text messages every so often from Sister Rhonda Gross. Sometimes it's just thoughts that she's studying or things that the Lord has spoken to her. Sometimes it's encouraging words to us. And, and, and I know she doesn't have the same strength, if you're watching Sister Gross, doesn't have the same strength to do what, what she may have done in the past. But there is just something so uh, significant about being and, and, and transmitting the accumulation of, of knowledge and experience and the wealth of wisdom. Um, and, and so again, I think, I think I find ministry the same thing as family. I know from my own experience, I've spent many seasons of ministry so focused on the next season, couldn't wait for the next season, couldn't wait for the next season, that I wasn't enjoying the season and making the most of the season that I was currently in, not making the most of what God was doing in that season, not learning to be content, not learning to whatever state I was in. One of the, one of the things that I think is so wonderful about a church family is I think we are all, have, we're not all, but we have a tendency to be in different seasons. Some people are in what we would call good seasons. Other people are in what we would view to be bad seasons. And the Bible says that we are supposed to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. And, and some of the value of being connected to the body is if I am in a season that is a difficult season, when I see others that are in a good season or a season that is a more enjoyable season, I can use that to be a source of hope faith 
that the season I'm in is not going to last forever. It's going to pass, going to pass. The flip side of that is when I'm in an enjoyable season, I don't rub that in the face of those that are in a difficult season, but I look at that to remind myself, okay, this is a season. We have just started a season. We basically, thankfully, Angie and I are in agreement on this. There's no Christmas music in this house before Thanksgiving Day. There's no decorations in this house before Thanksgiving Day. There's been a little bit of a struggle with that with some of the other residents of the house, but I love Christmas time. I love Christmas decorations. I love decorating. I love Christmas music. I love all of it, but I don't want it before Thanksgiving. For those of you like Sister Richards who are putting Christmas trees out in July, um, snowmen out in July, that that's that's not the way we are here. But we basically, even for those that are not quite as much sticklers as we are, we we view that we have now entered the holiday season. We spent time, part of our tradition usually is the day after Thanksgiving, we start our decorating for Christmas. And, and I do a snow village most years. And when I got it out yesterday, I was, I was thinking as I was getting it out to set it up that before I know it, it's gonna be January and I will be putting it away. And, and I think that's part of our struggle and we lose the joy of the season, especially if it's a season we enjoy because, well, it's not gonna last forever. As you said earlier, we need to be present. We need to be present and enjoy the, the purpose of the season, the, the things that God is trying to accomplish in the season that we are in. I think one other thing, and, and we probably won't go much longer here this evening, but... I want to say something else about the transition to the next subject. Sort of. Okay. Well, I just want to say real quickly, um, we kind of live in a culture that, um, and let me preface with, I agree with learning how to say no. <laughs> um, so some people need to learn how to say no. I, I agree with that, but, but we also live in this culture of self-care, like this really, and I believe in self-care, so don't get me wrong, don't, don't hear me uh, in a, the wrong context. Um, self-care can also turn into selfishness and self-absorption. So there's a balance, but what I want to say is um, sometimes I believe we have seasons in which we need to say no to some things and uh, learning how to prioritize during those seasons in particular <clears throat> dog, um, the people in your life and the things in your life is very very important um, but on the flip side of that there's also a season for saying yes um, especially in my opinion, evidently the dog thinks it's a season for yes. Um, I don't know if y'all can see him or not, but he's, yeah, Nathaniel's trying to keep him occupied with treats, but, um, but the season for saying uh, yes, I feel like is oftentimes the single young adults of the church. To me, you're kind of in a season for saying yes, just, You've got the energy, you've got more time on your hands, you've got 
Um, you know, and, and it's a great time for you to do a lot of things. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't be, we shouldn't do all, all that, but I'm just saying, so hear me correctly. But to me, it's a season for yes, it's a season for sure. I can learn how to teach Sunday school, or I could try this, or I can try that, and, and let, let me go try bus ministry, or try the things, and, and you're in this season of life where um, you have more time on your hands. Frankly, you don't even realize how much time you actually have on your hands. I mean, unless you're school full-time and a job full-time, et cetera, all the, I get it, I, I get it, you're busy. But um, objects in motion also tend to stay in motion. So, you know, I just remember in our 20s, it was kind of our season for doing a lot. And, and so all that to say, I think we need to recognize sometimes people are in a season of saying no. <laughs> They're in a season where they have to say, you know, I'm sorry, it's just I've got too much on my plate. And then other people are in a season where they're like, yeah, I'm embracing this and I'm gonna do this. And, and, and I realize there's balance and we have to learn balance. I get all that. But I think recognizing that sometimes that's okay. I feel like we, we just, I don't ever wanna to err too much on that side of like this self-care turning, self-absorption, I'm gonna say no to everybody mode. Like, I don't know why I even feel to say this, but I'm just saying it just because I feel like that kind of gets into our the culture and it's a little bit of a, I, I'm not sure that it's a kingdom mindset per se. Um, so, um, I don't want anybody to burn out, so don't, you know, but at the same time, I think we need to recognize when we're supposed to say yes. So part of that saying no and saying yes thing is strategically prioritizing and real quickly, I wanna share and probably all you young people are gonna roll your eyes because you've heard this. But um, if you imagine your priority priorities as like a bullseye, and so dead center of your bullseye is um, the most important people in your life. So in your, in your bullseye are people, um, and some of it's things, but I'll get to that. But right there in dead center, the people that you prioritize and are the most important in your life. So for me, that's going to be my husband and my five children. Don't you love that, Jalen? Um, and so he doesn't, but I do. All right, anyway. Um, so for me, inside that bullseye, so... Those are the people that in my life, if I'm trying to decide who I'm saying yes or no to, those are the people that I attempt to say yes to literally as much as possible, as much as possible, all right? So if it is in my human capability, I will say yes to those people as much as possible. But if you wanna really dissect it, it would be him. He would be the person I'm gonna say yes to 100% of the time, if not, just whatever, that's probably not humanly possible, but 99.9. .9. All that to say, then you go your next layer out, and that is gonna be your extended family. Um, maybe for young people, it could be your best friend. It could be, um, you know, but it's gonna be your your next closest people, okay? And those are the, the ones that, there again, I'm saying people at some point, you're going to put things in there, too, and ministry in there, too, but your people are going to be the ones that you're going to prioritize in your life. 
And so your next layer out, as you can see, it's getting the bullseye, you know, it's getting bigger and bigger. Target symbol, if you want to talk about target, love target. Um, and, and so that next one out, you know, somewhere in there, probably your employer is in that, you know, because obviously to an extent, at some point, you have to say yes to your employer, you know, prioritizing things in life. But you get what I'm saying is, and so those outer layers are the people that you um, should be willing to say no to. Um, now you want to try to say yes, but but frankly, if I'm juggling my day and my husband needs me to do something, but maybe I'm supposed to go to lunch with somebody in church. Um, now, while I love to go to lunch with one of you ladies or something like that, I may actually have to cancel with you because he's the priority of my life. And so, so you can see how I'm juggling my yes and no's. Um, and so I'm saying all that because it really helps you to navigate your seasons is by establishing a priority and the priorities in your life. Your ministries are in that mix too. And you have to kind of figure out where your ministries are um, in those mix, in that mix and what you can say no to and what you say yes to. So I hope all that makes sense. Obviously I'm willing to talk about all that more at some point if you want to come talk to me, but um, I feel like it's something that really has helped us to navigate through some of the seasons and trying to sort out what's the most important thing as I go through this season and who are the most important people in this season. Um, so anyway, I don't know, just felt like I wanted to share some of that. So. Um, trying to double check the notes here, if there was anything else that, that stands out. I, I think another area, just kind of throw this out, is I think sometimes, um, this may seem a little odd, but I think sometimes God uses sickness as a season to kind of make us lie down some. I actually recall in uh, 2016 when I went through um, my illness, I, I remember Bishop saying that uh, to me. And there's been a few other times since. I'm not one of those people that likes to sit around and do nothing. I like to be doing. Um, and oftentimes the only way to get me to basically do nothing is to not feel well. And, and sometimes God can use some sickness as a part of a season to force some of that lying down and resting. Of course, I'd much rather try to rest when I feel well than when I don't feel well. But... I, I I think if, if we could really, and I, I feel like we've in a lot of ways been, and I said we would be, I'm almost feeling like we've been maybe too broad here, but as I said in the beginning, I want you to get the principles that can be applied to whatever context or whatever season that, that it is you want to, um, or that you need to apply it in. But if we could somehow work on making peace with trusting God who is in control of the seasons. We, we've had a conversation on grief here before, but we touched on that a little bit today. Uh, that's another thing to me. I've, I've watched it with my wife and, and throughout our 29 years of marriage with, with regard to the passing of her mother. I've watched different um, sort of phases. Sorry, we've got 
distraction behind the camera. Um, we, I, I've watched it with her as she's gone through seasons, seasons of being at peace and then seasons of struggling some. Um, but to every season, there is a purpose. Obviously, I think this is the sign that I'm supposed to quit. To every season, there, there is a purpose. There is a God-ordained purpose. There, there is one other point that I would like to try to make, even with the um, distraction of the dog. Brother Vernell, I hope you're watching, because this is still at this point. I'm not saying never, but this is as close to church as I plan for Leo to get. He's not so never. Hopefully okay. you're watching. But one, one of the things, and, and this works negatively and positively, but I want to share it in, a, in, in more of a positive context. We, we have dates on the calendar where technically it's a new season. Uh, what's the first day of winter? 21st. 20, December 21st. 1st of December. So the 21st of December will be considered the first day of winter. However, we have already, these past couple of days, we have had winter type weather. No snow, much to my dismay, but the temperatures have been winter temperatures. However, we, ex we actually experienced this several weeks ago. We went through a several days of pretty cold weather and, and I can remember hearing a few people commenting, well, winter's here. And I remember saying, not because I was uh, a prophet or not because I was smarter, just going back to past experience. It's not here to stay. We'll have some warm days. And within about a week, we were back to not even needing a jacket. Because when, a, in, 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 when the season changes, again, the calendar may say it changed. But in actuality, the changing of a season is a, is a progression. It's a transition. And, and again, I want to say this in, in well, I'll, I'll make the point in both contexts. So first off, in going from what feels like a difficult season, moving into a good season. You will get some tastes of the new season while you are still in the previous season. And the, the struggle with that, the challenge with that, if we're not careful, when we get the taste of what's coming, but then we still feel the old season, we get discouraged and, and sort of become hopeless that nothing's changing. It's all the same when actually what you're getting is a taste of what's coming, and so that should, that should be a source of hope and encouragement. The flip side of that is when you're in a good season, you may get a little bit of a taste of some of the negative that's to come. It's not for you to get you know, overwhelmed and discouraged, it's to understand, as I said already, there are, there are things we do in each season that are actually also preparing us for the next season. And, and so I, I want to say, especially as we kind of wrap up here again, to those of you that maybe you're in a little bit of a difficult season, whether it's ministry, family, your personal relationship with God, that if you're getting, if you've gotten some tastes of a good season to come, but you still feel the negative season, don't lose hope because that transition will um, it will come. And uh, speaking of transition, we're wrapping up. That's a whole other area of seasons, of, of going through transitions of ministry, of which talked about family. So I, uh, I hope 
somehow in some way this has been beneficial I know again this is a little different we normally have had uh, a living room full of people but just kind of felt to do it this way this evening and uh, so I hope that, that there's some principles that have been shared some things that you can take out of this whether it's what you need right now or maybe tonight is a season that God is preparing you for a coming season God bless you. Thank you for taking time to listen and watch this evening in Jesus' name.